It's the week of February 4th, 2013, this is MASHCAST number 80. Podcast host and staff writer Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes, and uh, just me and Nick this week, and uh, we'll just get right into it. This is Mashcast number eighty, by the way, in case you weren't counting. So now you can count the rest of them. But uh, yeah, so let's, let's get into it. Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, let's see. I played uh, this one game called "I Get This Call Every Day." It's a little indie game. Uh, it's by a guy who used to work in a call center uh, about working in a call center. And uh, it's a very straightforward game, very simple. You, Your job is to answer the phone and respond to the customer on the other line. Uh, he asks you to ch- help him change his address. Uh, and the process you have to go through uh, is extremely unsatisfa- unsatisfying and very disheartening. Um, and it's as, as someone who is, is familiar with the, the, the call center lifestyle, uh, it's, it's frighteningly accurate. And uh, it's it's a very uh, it's an it's a great example of how games can be horribly depressing. So uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's only two dollars on uh, on the uh, developer site. That's uh, David S. Gallant. And he needs um, it because he actually got fired from his job for that game. For making the game, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess when you kind of do something that sort of critiques your day job in a negative way, um, and they find out about that. Yeah, the the ability to keep your employment is uh, can uh, can can come into question there. So I, I can't say I'm surprised that that happened, but uh, I, I it's it's cheap enough. It's a very short. You'll 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 play through it in like ten minutes, and you know maybe you play through it a second time. So I mean it's relatively quick, but uh, it's cheap enough. I recommend it. Uh, the other thing that I played is uh, the uh, Mega Man Cross Street Fighter uh, game that was released a few weeks ago. To celebrate the was it the 25th anniversary of Mega Man was it or was it Street Fighter I forget which one, um, but uh, it's I've did the I, I like Mega Man but the problem is I've never really played a Mega Man before I didn't have any of the games for the original Nintendo and so I, I've never, it's something I never went back to with any of the Mega Man X games on the PlayStation or anything like that um, but I've always enjoyed Mega Man from afar and so I'm trying to get into this. And playing with a keyboard, and it's, it's definitely harkens back to consoles. I'm, I'm struggling with it, but the graphics are amazing for an 8-bit game. Uh, it's fun how they incorporate the Street Fighter characters as the bosses, um, and uh, as, as much as I suck at it, I'm enjoying it. So that's another game I'd recommend. It's free also, so get it. Okay, so actually, my uh, list this week is pretty short i really haven't had a lot of time to play games uh so besides my normal uh you know 
couple StarCraft matches I get in. Uh, only thing I was able to play is really is um, Skulls of the Shogun. I forgot the name of it for like a, a quick second there. But yeah, Skulls of the Shogun, I uh, have been playing, actually reviewing it, and I actually should have the review up soon. Um, I'm not big in the turn-based strategy, so I really thought this game was going to drag for me, and at first it did. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, it, 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 at first it really did drag for me, but when I actually learned how to how to really play it, I um, I really started to enjoy it. Uh, the different, not because I don't really play turn-based strategy games, but the thing that struck me that was that was different was the fact that there are no tiles to move on, there are no like slots on the board. You have the level, but each unit on the level or each unit you have control of can move within a certain radius, anywhere on the map within a certain radius, and depending on how close you get to certain, you know, to, to enemies, you can attack them, and some enemies will counterattack. Some enemies can't counterattack. They can only attack at long range. And some enemies can only counterattack at certain times. Uh, and that, that, you know, so that makes things interesting. Some enemy, some uh, units can move large spaces. Some uh, units can only move short spaces. Some units can only, you know, attack from long distance. And plus on the map, there are places like where you can, like, if you hide in bamboo, you know, it, you, you only have an 80% chance of being hit as opposed to a 100% chance. You know, you could uh, upgrade units by eating the skulls of your of the of the of the uh, of the of the enemies you kill. Which you know, if you eat three skulls, you become like a demon, and you get two turns. And actually, there are these monks you can these monk shrines you can haunt, and you can get additional units. Like you get like the salamander that spits fire, or this fox that can heal you or this bird that can blow people off of the map like there's a lot of strategy involved i mean i'm writing a review so i'm not going to go through the whole thing here that's just a little bit because there's so there's so much strategy involved with the different maps like you know if you get somebody close to an edge like you know and of a map like close to water and it, actually the thing is like there's like these these uh there's water like sometimes in the middle of the maps too, so it's not just like on the edges. But if you get them like close to the edge of the water and you hit them and knock them back, you can actually take a unit that has been completely powered up because every time you eat skulls, right, you're you get more health. So you either heal yourself if you're damaged, or you get additional health on top of that. So by if a unit gets like two or three sets of health, how, like that is extremely difficult to defeat at that point. So your strategy should be to knock them into the pool. So well, not the pool, but, you know, into water. But there's it's stuff like that all around the game. And I just, I did definitely enjoy it. At first, I was like, when I'm done with this review, I'm not going to play this game anymore. But now, my, I am definitely going to play the game, at least to completion, possibly some multiplayer, because there is a multiplayer aspect. It was a good game. I actually lied about only having the one game. <laughs> Shocker. I, I forgot that I actually, I did get a chance to play No Time to Explain. That game. Oh, that I we don't have time to talk about that right now, do we? <laughs> well, it's it's actually not that complicated of a game. It's just, it's a, it's like a puzzle game almost. Like you know, you have to find your way through these levels without killing yourself, and you use the gun to propel yourself. In in a lot of aspects, but a lot of it is is precision because there's really tight space you have to move through without getting without getting killed. I tell you, it does have one of the best openings to any game I've ever played. Where basically the game starts just like the trailer. The game starts exactly like the trailer. Your future self busts in, 
gets pulled by, gets grabbed by the claw. And as soon as it gets grabbed by the claw, you're immediately in control. Like, that's it. Like, the, the gun bounces to you, and now you have the gun, and you can run out. And you have to, and you, you know, you, you, you kind of, you have to chase the claw down. But, like, it's, it's basically, it's almost like a tutorial because it's showing you how to play the game without showing you how to play the game. You know? So it's, it, it was very interesting. It's one of the best intros to any game. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Also, I reinstalled Bulletstorm because, uh, you know, I rebuilt my PC a couple months ago. And I re, uh, I rebuilt, uh, I reinstalled Bulletstorm. I was like, oh, you know, let me just replay through it so I can get, you know, all the levels to completion on this computer just in case, you know, somebody wants to see it. Well, come to find out that all my progress is saved in the cloud <laughs> and all of the games are open anyway. But, uh, turns out that I, I decided to play it anyway. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I definitely enjoyed that. Well, I'm gonna I'm enjoying that again, and I'll probably I don't know I'll probably beat it this week because it's not that long of a game. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, my my list is actually not that long, so we can really just roll into the topics now. Wow, that that was quick. That was quick. You know, besides besides Calls of the Shogun, there's not that much to talk about in terms of my uh, gaming adventures this week. Uh, but... one, quick, one quick question about uh, No Time to Explain because I did watch the trailer, and uh, did, did I see that right that there's a Sharktopus as one of the bosses in that game? Sharktopus, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, pretty much, and it's kind of awesome the way it happens because like you, we, the thing is like they don't tell you anything that's happening. See, so, you know, if we go over Nick, this is your fault now. <laughs> They don't tell you anything that's happening in that game. It just happens to you, okay? And it's ridiculous. Like, uh, like for example, I'm going to get back to Sharktopus. Don't worry. But, but um, there's, like, you go through a time warp, and now I, I, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm in the future. You're in a future where your future self is a celebrity. That's pretty funny. And, like, you have crowds of people, like, screaming for you. And like they're holding up signs with your with your future self's picture on it, you know. But you're just trying to make it through the level so that you can save your future self. Uh, but the shark, right? You know, you you go you go in, you you time warp you warp into this level. For some reason, your guy's in a shark's mouth. Okay, <laughs> you're being dragged across the screen. And we, you know, at first you're fighting him in shark form. You have to jump from these boats. But the thing you have to hit is the tail. And so when you blow up the tail, I'm like, okay, that's it. The shark jumps back out the water, and then it it, it basically becomes Sharktopus, and it grabs the the four like the four sides of the screen, and you start fighting it that way. So it starts out as a regular shark, but becomes a Sharktopus. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It's the game is awesome, and I I love it because you can really come up with your own story. Like, what the fuck is going on? You don't know. They don't tell you the story. I, I, I just, will say. Go ahead. My favorite part of the trailer was when they show and I don't know if this was supposed to be like the second time around when you are the future self or if this is like just another instance where again they show the house with the room blowing up and then the guy from the future jumps in except now he knows the crab claw is coming behind him so he jumps out of the way and the crab claw grabs the you from the past yeah that it, that happens in the game <laughs> and I'm like that was awesome that they just took the event at the beginning and they switched it up cuz you should know that's coming cuz you're you lived it before 
Exactly. So, yeah, so that made sense. So I, I, I'm the one thing I'm curious about is as a fan of, of time travel narratives, I am curious to see how well they adhere to that and how time travel works in their universe. But yeah, it do, it does look cool. So so it's glad to hear that you liked it. It's a cool game. I'm actually gonna be reviewing that game, and it is a challenging game too. Like the the the, the speed at which the guy moves in the trailer, not happening on your first playthrough. Like you really have to know what you're doing. To, to move at that speed. And, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good game. I, I enjoy it a lot. So, see, I was done, Nick. I was ready to move on. And Nick, he dragged me back in. I was not ready to move on. I was just, I was stuck in that part of the past, and I needed to just, just revisit it. Uh-huh. All right, so let's, let, let's move into articles now. Cool. Let's, let's talk a little... Well, not really much to talk about, but let's talk about Sony and this event they're going to have on February 20th. Which we know nothing about. All we, all I know is that it is PlayStation related because it has, I guess you could call them the PlayStation symbols, but you know the square, the triangle, the circle, the X. That's basically what this video showed, and it says like, "See the future, February twentieth." Um, a lot of speculation that it is the PS4. They're going to announce the PS4. Uh, and that is really all we know right now about it. All I know. Is that uh, with the if they do announce the PS4, thank God because hopefully the rumors will at least tone down, at least tone down a bit, you know, as opposed to uh, what we have now, where we have rumors that confirm other rumors. <laughs> games media, like uh, I woke up to that today. I was not a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's, that's pretty much it. And like, I know, like, you know, this kind of it, it says a lot for E3, doesn't it? Because before like an announcement of this magnitude, if it is the PS4, for all we know, it could be like, "Welcome to the future of PS Vita in blue." Like you know, it it could be like you know something like that. Uh, color PS Vita is. I'd, ha- you know. I'd have to think if it was something like that. Like th- that would this would be one of the biggest trolls that Sony has ever unleashed. Because you, 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 they have to know you don't tease. You don't tease something that happens regularly, like oh, hey, a new console color. You don't tease that a good week or two weeks in advance. Like this has to. I mean, that's the thing. Like the fact that they're admit, announcing this ahead of time, like hey, pay attention to us on this day. It means that they've got to have something big up their sleeve. And what do we know that's big and up their sleeve? The PS4. So I mean, that's that's why it makes the most sense. But. Yeah, and this time, I mean, like, it's really no secret that there's gonna be, you know, a, uh, there's gonna be, uh, you know, PS4 and the 360 coming out this year. They're way overdue, if you ask me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really needs to be, if it's not the PS4, there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be super pissed. I did see one completely unsubstantiated rumor that allegedly came from a source at Nintendo. So again, like what Nintendo knows about Sony's actions, who knows, but their thinking is that it's got to be something with the Vita because Sony said they weren't going to make any announcements about the PS4 until Microsoft said something about the the Durango. So it may, you know, it's it may be one of those situations where if the two of them are locked in some kind of chicken match to see who can go longer without announcing their console, in which case, then the question is, what is this announcement for? But I 
I kind of, as I said, it's an unsubstantiated rumor from somebody who doesn't even connect, isn't even connected to Sony. So I kind of don't see that happening. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just said fuck it and we're gonna do it anyway. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. They, 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 they could, you know, just do that. Like, I can't see them making a big deal out of something beta related. You know what I'm saying? Well, I should say something beta related. Yeah, they make a big deal of it, but like something like this, like wait till February 20th for this huge announcement. Like, what could be that huge with the Vita that they want to wait? Especially with the way the Vita's doing now, it's not doing bad, but could be doing better. You know, like yeah. at least that's 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 my line of thinking. But uh, yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's pretty important in case it is uh you know, Vita real in case it is PS4 related, so we wanted to bring it up, but that's really all we know about it. You know, that that's pretty much it. Uh but what else is happening here? A uh, Valve is actually being sued in Germany over game ownership. Uh which I know a couple months ago we talked about an article which actually the, where the EU uh the uh the EU the city of the Court of Justice uh, of the UP- European Union uh they ruled that Trading used software uh, that well, I should say they they ruled that companies cannot block the trade of used software. Okay, uh, so uh, and that includes uh, software that's digital di- uh, uh, distributed uh, digitally as well. They can't block that. Um, and now it looks like somebody is trying to take that fuel and use it in Germany, where it's not necessarily a law, actually. Uh, the German Consumer, or uh, sorry, the Federation of German German Consumer Organizations, a couple years back, they ruled in Valve's favor that they do not have to allow. Um, I'm sorry, that, that they don't have they didn't have to force Valve to allow users to sell their accounts because actually that is against the terms of service. You are not allowed to sell your Steam account, and they were Valve was sued for that a couple years back in Germany, but now this person is trying to take. It's pretty much the same. Uh, people are trying to take uh, the same organization. I should say is trying to take what the uh, the court of justice of the European Union. That's long to say. You know, <laughs> the court of justice of the European Union. Meanwhile, at the court of justice of the European Union, <laughs> like they really need like a supreme court. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably shorter in German. I get it, probably. They need a Supreme a Supreme Court Europe, you know, like <laughs> like in CSI, you know, like CSI Miami. <laughs> but okay, so you know they're trying to take what happened there and now apply it to uh to you know to German law, and it's pretty much the same lawsuit over again. Um, says the Steam owners, uh, they can uh, buy, you know, they purchase games, and they actually can take those games, burn them to a disc, and send them somewhere else. But since the, you know, the keys and well, you know, authorization is locked to your account, you need, uh, you know, without a Steam account, those copies or you know, giving the game to somebody else is useless. You can't resell them. Uh, and since Valve uh, forbids users to uh, sell or transfer their account to another person it violates the law, and that's what they're hoping to win on this time. So, yeah, like, at first I kind of thought that they were suing them because they wanted a way, they said there should be a way for users to trade used games digitally, but it looks like if Valve just changes that clause, like, okay, fine, you can you can sell your accounts, they're now in the clear. 
I don't know. I feel like you're, I, I guess fundamentally then that means you can like bundle up an account with a bunch of games and then just, would that be something you would sell on like a steam marketplace or would you have to go through like, you know, like would you be advertising this on like eBay or Craigslist or something like, Hey, here's my valve account, you know, contact me. I'll sell you the, the, the credentials. Here's all the games you get with it. But I don't know. It, it just seems, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it, fundamentally, I guess you could wind up as somebody who just winds up buying a bunch of accounts. It seems like it would make more sense if, if they allowed you just within the steam interface to transfer games from one person to another. I know you can buy games as gifts for other people. They've allowed that feature, but it seems I kind of understand where the court's coming from and they want to allow people to be able to, you know, sell previously used content, you know, just because everything's digital doesn't mean we can't, but I feel like the way steam is implemented, it's very, it's, it's counterintuitive and, and to a degree, it, it almost isn't needed. Uh, one of, one of my favorite quotes, uh, from, uh, from who was it? Uh, Elbricht was, uh, she says, well, if, if I, if I pay the full price for a game, then why am I not allowed to do with it what I want? And my question is, if you're paying full price for a game on steam, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> You should be buying everything cheap anyway. Um, and, and so it, it's, I mean, I, I think fundamentally, I, 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 well, first of all, I don't even know. I mean, as, as you pointed out, they've already kind of ruled that Valve doesn't need to adhere to this. And then their argument is, you know, let's bring it back before the court. Maybe we can get them to change their mind. If we keep making the argument over and over again, we'll, we'll, we'll break them down. But it, it, I don't know. I almost, I almost feel like it's, it's, I almost feel like it's, it's something Valve could maybe implement one day. I know that they're, I mean, they're already, look, you know, they're always looking at changing how the store works anyway, trying to find the, the optimal way to get everybody involved. And if, I mean, fundamentally, if you can sort of become a, a, a reseller of games, I think that seems to be kind of be where they want to, that seems to be the space that they want to go to anyway. So I almost wonder if this is something that might not sort of moot itself in, in five years or less. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it is, it, it's kind of strange because I would think they want the ability to sell individual games and not just their account. I mean, but the thing is, who's really stopping you from selling your Steam account? You know, what is, what's going to happen if Valve finds out? How, they, how is Valve going to find out? You know, I, I don't, that doesn't really seem like a threat to me. Like, I mean, people will sell their WoW accounts and I'm pretty sure that's not allowed in the terms of service. But, the thing though is like, isn't your Steam account associated with an email address? So can you change the email address it's associated with, and then open a new account associated with the old email address? If you wanted to, yeah, actually. Because I wonder if they wouldn't have like a history of email addresses. Like, hey, you keep opening accounts from this email address and then moving them around. I don't know. Yeah, like it. Well, I mean, I guess they can, but why? You just create a new email address, like if if you if that's your if that's what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? If that's how you're, uh, that's your business, <laughs> you know, if, if you're making a business out of it, I should say. Then. I don't know. Yeah, it seems maybe there's a market for Steam accounts. I don't know. Well, that's just... right. Like, I don't think I don't think there's really a market for Steam accounts. I think that the market is for used digital games. So it feels like they're barking up the wrong tree here, in my opinion. Yeah. It really yeah, does feel like they're barking up the wrong tree. Because, well, because even then, I mean, 
I mean, one, I guess one of the problems with Steam is like you buy a game and then I mean, fundamentally the whole used games market is you buy a game and then you stop playing it. And at some point you're like, hey, let me take this and see if I can get some, some kind of revenue back for it. But with Steam, you just amass a giant library that just sits within Steam. It's not even, you know, you don't even have to have everything installed on your, on, on your, uh, on your PC for that to, to work. And then just whenever you, you know, want to pull something from your back catalog, you can. It's not like you have a physical manifestation of that game in front of you taking up space. You're like, hey, I got to get rid of this. So. Right. Yeah. I, know, I guess we'll see what comes of it. I mean, if there is some type of legislation that does, that, you know, some change that does happen, it may affect us positively. But who really knows? I'm sorry. It's not going to affect the United States positively. No, I just look. I look forward to the announcements that the uh, the Steam Box will not be sold in Germany. The Steam Box will not be sold in Germany. Like, uh, yeah, oh, they played themselves. Uh, So get get a nice fight between David Hasselhoff and Gabe Newell. Gabe would win. (laughs) I don't know. David Hasselhoff is pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm not buying it. Well, we shall see. All right, but I guess speaking of Steam, uh, it, well, I guess it really doesn't have anything to do with Steam. It just has to do with PC gamers, and Steam is an entrenched part of that. Uh, but there's an article on Destructoid that uh, where Jim Sterling is talking about uh, Phosphor's. Uh, well, he's not talking about he's not talking about the new game or um, Project Awakened, which is a uh, a Kickstarter that Phosphor Games has going regarding a game that they're trying to develop called... Well, the game... Actually, I don't know what the name of the game is. I guess the game doesn't really have a name yet, but it's called Project Awakened. And I doubt that's actually the name of the game, but I could be wrong, because I really haven't looked too much into the game, even though it does look pretty awesome. I think everybody should check it out. But anyway. So, Phosphor Games, uh, they uh, made some statements saying that you know, PC gamers are more willing to embrace new ideas. And here's a, uh, here's a quote from him, or a couple quotes. Uh, the PC market is very exciting for developers for many reasons. Uh, the first one is distribution. Not only do you, have, do you not have to box to worry about, you don't have an overly complicated and expensive submission process. It can't be understated how expensive all of that is, which I'm pretty sure we all have a good idea. Not a good idea, but we know that it's very expensive to, you know, get your game, get on disc, get in a box, get that box to a Best Buy is an, extra, is an expensive process. And it holds a lot of games back. Uh, the other thing that I don't get, which is back to the quote, the other thing that I don't think it's called out enough is the audience. The PC audience is just a lot more receptive to new, different ideas and is willing to pay for the ideas they like. There really isn't an audience like that on any other platform. Um... I would say, as much as I kind of make fun of the mobile games platform, I would say uh, people who are in mobile games will try different stuff, but I think it's sometimes out of boredom. Like, you know, what what is this game here? Like, uh, for example, let's take, uh, let's take No Time to Explain. I don't think that game would have done well on console. But on PC, actually on PC, it's not going to do that great either. Yeah, but I would say like you know I think it'll do better on PC than it would have on console, and even if it was a mobile game, it would have done better. Well, 
but isn't isn't part of the pro- pro- part of the problem though too like marketability of indie games on consoles? It's it's I mean at best well Xbox what you said in the new the the, the interface update they pretty much actively buried all in, indie games and it's not like you really get you know maybe one game gets featured like you really have to go digging through the the interface to really look through what games are new and available for the indie games and I think the, the same even goes for the PlayStation you really you know, I mean, they have a few more tiles that, to advertise stuff, but still, unless you're sort of a high-profile indie release, it's it can be diff- You have to be intentionally looking to find you, and I think that the console, I guess, the, the the purpose of consoles being sort of primarily, you know, for for major console releases, and then a sort of like a secondary function, you know, sort of you know, TV boxes, you know, be it with Hulu and Netflix and whatnot. It all, it almost seems like indie games and, and the more experimental stuff, it's really a sub-feature that people might take an interest in, but I, I can't imagine most people are using that for that. Whereas the, the PC, the, the uses for the PC are already so varied, where people will use them for work and for fun to various degrees, that it's it's a lot easier, I think, to, you know, you get, you get into an indie community and all of a sudden you're bouncing around from game site to game site and you can just download a ton of stuff you know, with no problem, or you can even get, you know, get, get into Steam and start bouncing around and start downloading a ton of stuff in there with no problem. So, I think it's it's part of the problem is just that the way consoles are designed, this these types of games are very much an afterthought in that, and, and it's reflected in the outcome. Yeah, um, actually, Sony does a, a a good job of promoting indie games, but that's because I mean, the thing is about that is like Sony actually has to try to do it though, like they have to put games in the forefront in order for them to get recognized. Whereas with Steam, I mean, you can just like stumble upon something on Steam. Yeah. You know, where Sony has to be like, hey, look at this indie game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And check check it, this thing it, out. And even then, they can only advertise so many indie games at a time. That, that is true. If you're the fifth game that month, and the other four all have their slots taken, you could be better than those other four, but you're SOL. That is very true. Yeah, where PC, I mean, it's just, you know, the PC community, the the console community has become more social. That is definitely true. Over the years, the console community has definitely become more social thanks to Xbox Live, I would say. Primarily thanks to Xbox Live. But still nowhere near the communication of the PC gaming communities. Like, you know, you have, like, when you're not directly connected into a game, you know, uh, you still might be on Ventrilo. You still might be on TeamSpeak. You have forums, chat programs, all this stuff. And yes, I mean, yes, you can message somebody on Xbox Live now, but how cumbersome is it to message somebody on Xbox Live as opposed to having a full, you can have a full boom conversation with somebody on, you know, on the PC using messaging or, you know, Vent or, or TeamSpeak. I remember when I used to play Unreal Tournament, I was huge in Unreal Tournament. I would come back home from school, you know, I was in college at the time, and I would, one of the first things I'd do would be hop on vent. And even if I was, like, doing, like, homework, I'd be on vent with my clanmates, you know, talking and doing whatever. We used to have, like, you know, we'd have, like, you know, five, ten people on a channel all playing different things. And we're just having kind of a like, conversation. It's like having your homie there and you're talking to your, to your friend while you're playing a game. You know, you're both doing something different. So I'm, I, I actually kind of miss those days, Nick. <laughs> You're getting old. I mean, I get. I, I kind of miss those days. Like those, those were good times, man. The clan was family. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
it, the PC community is definitely different. Um, and we, I know we kind of, sometimes it's made fun of because we expect, we, we expect certain things. People call it, uh, like snooty or elitist or whatever, but we expect different things out of games. Like the whole Dead Space 3 thing that happened when, uh, you know, they said they weren't going to bump up the graphics for PC. And everybody's like, <gasps> what do you mean you're not going to bump up the graphics for PC? I totally understand. <laughs> you know, I, I understand why. But, but you understand uh, why they didn't bump up no, the graphics? No, why they're upset. You understand why everybody was all, sho- all, shocked, all and shocked and upset. Yeah, yeah. I understand. But, um, yeah, I mean, the PC community is just, it's a, it's, a, it's a different monster. It's actually a different age group, too, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I mean, there are younger kids playing on PC, definitely, but not nearly as many as them. You know, the younger kid is probably playing on his Xbox while his dad is playing something on PC. Yeah, so the, pr- the problem is the dad needs the kid to kick the kid off the Xbox and take it back. No, dad doesn't want it. That's the thing. Dad is used to his freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe dad shouldn't have had a kid. <laughs> hey, now, Nick. <laughs> No, but I, I totally get what's saying. There's still downsides. Like he does mention piracy, but he says it's kind of negligible. You know, but, well, I would think the piracy, especially in these kind of games, I think the piracy counts as a pro because you look at a game that's experimental and different, and you may want to play it a little bit before you invest it. And especially if these games are really that that different, that may be the kind of thing like you start playing. You're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Let me go buy the real version because again, it's one. I think it's one of those things too, where a lot of people are pirates. But especially in the indie game community, they know like every dollar makes a difference in this case because you know it's not like people are making tons of money off indie games. I mean, some, you know, we there are the few stories that do, but I think for a lot of it, you know, a lot of people are you know those that's going right into their mouth that money, and so I think it's one of those things where yeah, there's piracy there, but it, it's I, I think it, it's uh, as much of a boon as it is a hindrance. Yeah, and because like you know the 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 barrier to entry is so low on PC, you have people who are just more willing to experiment on PC versus you know other consoles. Yeah, I mean don't get me wrong. I mean Xbox Live, well to get the Xbox Live indie games, the barrier to entry that was very low, but it just got filled with so much garbage because of the restrictions to the games. Like now you have games, you know. I think like uh, they were, like the games on Xbox Live Indie had to be like under us like they extended it to 500 megabytes, so it was lower than that. It was the max size of you, that your game could be? Um, but on PC, you really don't have those type of restrictions. So PC just seems to be a better place to come make your games. Huh? You know, PC Master Race. That's just the way it is, guys. Sorry. Nope, not snooty at all. <laughs> I was waiting for something from you. That's, that's... <laughs> no, but um, PC. Everybody, you know, just please keep in mind. I have every console. Okay, I just I prefer to play on PC. So it's not like I don't know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I don't play consoles, but when I do, I play on my PC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Nick. Good job. <laughs> Let's move on to our uh, our next topic, which is why Microsoft got into the console business. And I read this article, and I'm like, man, this sounds familiar. But basically, to long story short, Microsoft got into the console business because it couldn't work with Sony. 
uh, Microsoft and Sony never had that great of a relationship. And when Micro- and when Sony came out with the 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 PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation, well, the original PlayStation, Microsoft almost immediately said, "We have to, we we got to do that. Like, you know, we have to beat them at that game." Um, Microsoft actually, well, according to uh, Yo, I guess it's Joachim Kempton, is this guy's name. He, he he was the VP of sales for Windows for twenty years, starting in nineteen eighty three. So it's nineteen eighty three to two thousand and three. Um, he said that you know Microsoft wanted to work with Sony because Sony was to them you know an entertainment company. That's what Sony was. So Microsoft saw some value in working with them, but Sony apparently never really wanted to work with Microsoft. And when the PlayStation came on the scene, Microsoft kind of saw it as a threat to PCs. Like they saw the path that it was going. Micro well, Bill Gates specifically said that you know PCs in the living room, like basically a PC in the living room that's not running Windows, is a threat to their core business. And that's why Microsoft went ahead and started working on the Xbox because they wanted to, you know, get in there and and beat Sony. So that it was kind of like a preemptive strike because they saw the future. So, and the reason I said it sounds familiar is because if anybody remembers, you know, Sony only came into the console market because Nintendo flaked out on them when it came to an attachment for the Super Nintendo. And for those who don't know, Sony was gonna was working on an attachment for the Super Nintendo that allowed the Super Nintendo to play disc-based games, and my and then uh, Nintendo canned it, and then Sony, you know, marched on on their own, and that's how Where the did- Sony PlayStation came to be. What, where did Panasonic fit in all there? I feel like didn't they do something with didn't they wind up making the disc based attachment and didn't do anything or am I inserting them in for no reason? No, no, but that that sounds familiar. They, I know they were they they were doing something with was it Nintendo or was it somebody else or was it Sega? I think it might have been even Sony. I, I forget where Panasonic came in, but oh, oh yeah, oh, the, yeah, Sony. Sony was supposed to work on the attachment for the the uh, the Super Nintendo, and that ultimately led to the PlayStation. Right, but Panasonic actually came out with the 3DO. Yeah, which failed. That was yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. That wasn't even mentioned in the console wars, except as a casualty. Maybe. <laughs> Not even real ca- like collateral damage. Like. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, it's collateral damage. The 3DO. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. but um. And all no, but, the 3DO owners just turned the match cast off. <laughs> Which is to say nobody. <laughs> I no, know but, one. I know one that listens to this podcast. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I know one. But He's I'm pretty... listening. I didn't mean to upset you. <laughs> and your amazing, your amazing choice of consoles. <laughs> yeah, but... Um... <laughs> no, but the, the, I have to say, I find this write-up a little bit amusing because... They talk about Microsoft's mindset, but they never actually say that they approached Sony. They just say that Microsoft and Sony had a very, you know, that Sony was always arm's length from Microsoft. And so it almost feels to me like this whole dialogue happened inside Microsoft's head. Like, hey, we should get up. We should hook up with Sony and see if we want to do a console with us. Oh, no. Sony doesn't really like us. They're not going to want to do that with us. They don't want to be our friend. Oh, we're just going to have to do it ourselves. Like Microsoft is some kind of like paranoid, like 13-year-old girl. Like just, just completely unable to relate to anything and, and, and over over emoting all of this and then the end result is hey we gotta do the Xbox ourselves. 
But the other the other funny part that I see is that once they kind of realized that they needed to do a console to push it out for themselves, they realized that the console itself actually loses money. They just want a Windows device in the living room that plays games, and they'll turn out software for it and everything, but they really didn't want to be in the hardware market because – you know, th- you know, they don't want to make a, th- a product that doesn't make money. So everybody they went to, I think, what does it say? They approached was it Intel or Dell? Uh, or, but, well, he did. PC uh, manufacturer it doesn't say who. Yeah, it's just, just PC manufacturers. PC manufacturer, and they basically said to them, "Hey, you guys make the consoles. We'll sell. We'll put Windows on it, and we'll we'll sell some of the software, and everybody's gonna be happy." And everybody basically realized, like, no, you're giving us the shit part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, they, they were smart about it. Like they're like, no, it's it's the whole you know yeah. you, you know give away the the blades or give away the the razor and make money off the blades, and they're like, no, we're not making the razor for you. So you know, so it's kind of funny. Like Microsoft came up with the idea, realized it wasn't going to make any money, but couldn't find anybody dumb enough to actually do it for them, and so they had to make the Xbox themselves. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... The, the part they didn't want to do, but ultimately just to just get in the game, pretty much. Which I'll say was a smart business move on Microsoft's part. You know, saying like, hey, this tech, this, if this takes off, which it looks like it is, this can really hurt our bottom line. You know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's not let it do that. Let's get in there. So it was good. And, and actually, it's just a good thing that happened in general, because just think about it, like, Think about what would have happened if Microsoft was not, like, you know, never, never came in the game. Like, what, what, what would have happened? Like, what if the only option we would have had in 2005 or 2006 was a 600, $500, $600 PS3? I think, well, I mean, not that they were, not that they're entirely related events, but it, I mean, it almost feels like, this, this this Sega bow out after the Dreamcast. If you don't have the dominance of the Xbox to sort of come in and sort of take that that large role, I mean, because I mean, we've always had like I guess we had what Nintendo and Sega as sort of the two rivals at first, and then just you know since Sega peters out, and then, but then we get Sony and Microsoft and, and Nintendo, so we get a big three. It almost feels like the market would have allowed somebody else to take that space. You're you're not going to get just Sony with their insane theories about price, which I actually think kind of makes sense, but um, you know, you're not, you're not just going to get Sony dominating the market, you know, in selling consoles at huge, huge price tags. I think somebody else, some, somebody would have filled that void. I don't know who necessarily, if not Microsoft, but well, like we, we they, just said, that's a huge undertaking. That, <laughs> like we're back. <laughs> <laughs> They changed the name from the 3DO to the 360. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean... That's a huge undertaking like we just discussed. Yes. That is a huge undertaking. Um, and you have to have a lot of... You have to have a company that has a lot of money going in there. And the thing is, at the time, everybody wasn't trying to get in the, the market like they are now. Now, we're in a, it's a different... It's a different ball game. Everybody's trying to get, you know, into uh, the console. Well, if they could, they they did try to sneak their way into the console market. I mean, shit. Look, oh yeah, people putting Android and making a console. Well, 
well, Valve coming into the console market. But, well, I think that's the point is, is the actual cost of entry into the console market has gone way down because even then it's not it's not the console market proper. These devices, they're like sub consoles. They fall in. They don't, you know, the, the Ouya is not going to d- directly compete with, you know, the, the Xbox uh, 720 or whatever. It's, it's, there's a, there's, they're vastly different pieces of hardware. And, I mean, they both fall under the genre of consoles. And so years from now we'll look back and say, oh, yeah, the Ouya and, you know, the, the Xbox and the PS4 all came out in the same year. And look how it shakes out. But, I mean, I, we've had, I mean, we've had people try to get into the console space before. We just talked about Panasonic with the 3DO. I mean, there was uh, – who, who uh, NEC with the TurboGrafx-16, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the list of dead consoles, I mean, is it, huge. It, it, I mean, there's a, you know, to, to you know, to, to, we, I mean, we can joke about the 3DO being collateral damage, but Panasonic's not the only person to do that. And it could just be that maybe if, you know, maybe if Sega actually had their, had their act together on the Dreamcast, they're actually enough of a buffer there that your big three becomes Sony, Sega, and Nintendo, and Microsoft with the Xbox doesn't even make a dent, and they never even make it to the 360. I mean, they basically. I, I think it's it's. I mean, clearly the fact that the the Xbox survived and is 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 thrived shows that the market can support three consoles. And I mean, I know there's a little bit of wiggle room there again because even to compare the Wii to the X, Xbox and the PlayStation. You, you know, there's, there's, you know, they're not servicing the same markets, but there's definitely a consumer base at the very least for Microsoft and Sony, and it's a very valid question to say what happens if Microsoft doesn't show up. But I think that there's a vacuum that's left, and somebody, you know, and at this point we can speculate endlessly, but somebody fills that. I don't think you just get a dominant Sony. Maybe, maybe Nintendo is actually like, hey, we can sell, uh, you know, a real console instead of trying to sort of eke out the the the, the edges and, and and wind up going after the consumer base and maybe maybe the Wii is a real con you know a real console I'm using that in air quotes but if the Wii doesn't you know if the Wii doesn't have the motion controls and go after the casual base who's to say we start to get the renaissance we're seeing with Android and, and the Ouya and all of that so I mean it's it's yeah there's a lot of different ways that could have played out if Microsoft doesn't get into the console space. Yeah I don't see Nintendo really changing their path all that much because Nintendo has always looked for I shouldn't say always looked, but they've always looked at user experience more so than raw power. Like, even when the Super Nintendo came out and the Nintendo 64 came out, they weren't the console or the company that was touting its power. You know, like, you know, for a yeah, thinking they about... Like it's called Nintendo Power! No, you know exactly what I'm talking about, <laughs> Nick. Damn well what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, like, you know, well, for example, like, when the Sega Genesis came out, you know, I just, I remember the commercial. I'm not going to sing the song, but I remember the commercial. Sing it. Sing it. <laughs> I'm not singing it. I remember the commercial, you know, the, the This Is Genesis commercial, Nintendon't, you know, like, <laughs> talking about how it looked and, and touting t- t- the power of the console, and Nintendo's never been that type of company. No, well, I'm not saying that Nintendo needed to be on par with this with sony but i think they there there was a lot of room there for you know there's a lot of room for what they could have done with the wii as far as making it more more competitive with the top tier of the consoles and i think maybe maybe nintendo bridges that gap a little bit maybe games on the wii are a little you know it's it, it, we're not we're not just getting to xbox 360 quality games with the wii u maybe yeah. we had them on the you know at the tail end of the previous generation but i don't know yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can, we can, like you said, we can speculate all day. Regulation test. 
you know, you never, you never know what happened. But yeah, I, I am just happy that it happened, even though I'm not a huge fan of Microsoft right now, uh, mainly because, you know, they are diving way more into the services than I think they really should be. But, you know, that's, that's just the way it is right now. I'm going to leave that shit alone. <laughs> you know, um, I'm just going to leave it alone, like literally, and not play my Xbox. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I am glad it happened because it it, it definitely it taught it humbled Sony a bit um, when they were really close. Actually, they kind of lose their position. At least in the United States, they have lost their position as top dog. Yeah. Microsoft definitely has that. In Japan, you know, they still they're still they're still king. Well, actually, worldwide, technically speaking, they're king because they have outsold 360. Uh, but I am glad that it happened, and we'll I guess we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, speaking of Microsoft and consoles, Game Stock's stock. Did I say Game Stock? Or did I say you did say Game Stock. Yeah. So Game Stop's stock <laughs> has slid on rumors that the Xbox will block used games. And I don't want to talk about the rumor because the rumor itself is we've known this was a rumor from a long time ago, but Edge reposted the rumor. Based off of another rumor, basically what happened this morning was Edge says, we have a rumor that our previous rumor was true. And <laughs> that's what happened this morning. And then it goes into, we have a rumor that confirms our last rumor that the Xbox 360 will block used games. Okay. And because of this, uh, GameStop, their stock slid about 6%, I believe. Rumor also confirmed other stuff from up from the previous rumor, <laughs> but we're not going to say we're going to talk about if, that. But if you're a rumor, that's the best way to get around is that makes some truth. But well, then again, I mean it's all rumor anyway. But to to make some some other you know confirmed or known to be true facts along with whatever actual rumor rumor you're reporting, so that it gets it slips in. I mean it's all. I mean games journalism is all one giant game of telephone. And it's, you know, I mean, who, you know, will the Xbox, I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about this when the, the first rumor came around as far as what would, what would happen if the Xbox actually blocks used games. And it doesn't, doesn't seem likely, but apparently it seems likely enough that people on uh, Wall Street aren't buying GameStop stock. Yeah, yeah. But the, the reason I guess I ultimately wanted to bring it up was because if this rumor is actually 6.8%, so basically like 7%, their stock dropped. Um, j- just based off these rumors, if Microsoft or Sony or both actually go through this, and we've already seen that Sony has a patent to make this happen, does that just signify the end of GameStop? Will, will as soon as that news comes out, like if it's confirmed, will investors immediately start bailing out? Because GameStop really... I know they they're trying different things like you know they're selling point like these points for different games in their stores. You could buy Steam credit, uh, you know you could buy digital DLC and stuff like that. But that none of that is even a drop in the bucket compared to their used games like the the, the used games operation they got going on. So if this gets confirmed, is that it? Is GameStop over? Not immediately. <laughs> I mean, no, because I mean, like you said, they've got a bunch of initiatives. I think they know whether it happens with this round of consoles or, or the next in what, ten years, seven years. I think they know that the ability to 
you know, as as the physical gaming market dries up, their ability to to resell used games also goes away. I mean, there's no as much as the German government wants us to to enforce it. You know, even if Steam allows you to buy, you know, buy and sell used games, GameStop has no part of that. And so I th- I think they know that there's a there's a shelf life on their business model, and they're working for that. I just I just get the I get the feeling because we, we the last time we talked about this we basically kind of debunked it and, and said it's probably not going to happen. You know, GameStop is too entwined with the with the uh, with, with the Microsoft and Sony to really allow this to happen. And as much as they'd want to, you know, they've got other promotions and stuff. So I kind of I, I kind of feel like somebody's bringing up this rumor. Maybe they're bringing up the rumor just to manipulate the stock. <laughs> I mean, that's you know that's one of those things that uh, you know. If you're, you know, if you have the ability to kind of get the word out on a site to do something like this, you know that these kind of rumors drive GameStop stock down. Then, you know, push that out, you know, push that out there, buy some of the stock when it's lower, and then tomorrow when you retract the rumor and say no, 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 it's all wrong, and the stock goes back up, you could resell it again. Now, I'm I'm sure that violates some kind of law somewhere, but if you make enough money, the law doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I, well you're not making. You're not making that much off manipulating GameStop stock. Hey, um, man, you never know. It's a, it's a bill, well, how many billion dollar industry is uh, <laughs> video games? Well, that, that that's their new business model. Since they can't actually sell used games, they're just going to watch their stock go up and down and just play <laughs> the market that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, well, we when we had that conversation, I think I, I said that I don't think that GameStop really matters all that much in the long run. No. Like the thing is, like if if they decide to do this and got rid of GameStop, they still have so many other places they can still sell to. I mean, there's still gonna be Best Buy, it's gonna be Target, Walmart. <laughs> as long as you're selling at Walmart, you're okay. You will be okay. Oh, and, and and fundamentally, even I mean, that's I mean, that's why GameStop isn't. It's GameStop isn't where you go to buy your new games. GameStop is where you go to sell your used games and then use that money to buy other used games. Oh yeah. It, 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 to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but I'm just saying, like all the places you mentioned, like Target and Best Buy is actually trying to encroach on GameStop's, you know, model. Best Buy actually gives you better trading value. Just anybody who trades in games, just to let you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you get a better value at Best Buy for the most part. I, well, yeah, I think once GameStop is dead, that'll probably change. But well, yeah. who's, who's to say Best Buy won't be dead by that time too? <laughs> hey, you never know with the way yeah. going. even Best Buy is shaving the fat. Yeah, okay, they are. No, it's. It's really, it's not a good time to be a physical retailer. <laughs> yeah, you got to have some type of plan. But you know what? Best Buy has a lot of different things they can hook into. Like Best Buy can hook into services uh, and, and a lot of different things that GameStop just won't have the opportunity to do. Best Best Buy is an entirely different animal. It is. It, it is. GameStop is very niche. It is, and Best Buy is 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 you know they're 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 a lot broader, but they still they still both fundamentally face the same problem of a you know of a, of a dig- increasingly like, digital world. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so. I mean the only thing that might save them. Is... <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to say for GameStop, they would just turn into a cart and a mall as opposed to actually a store, a cart. <laughs> With little cards hanging off the side of it. Oh, you want a new game? Here you go. Have that one person sitting there, you know, like the like the Israeli sea salt people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. You know, as, as dumb as it sounds, that could very well be the future. I mean, if you're just a cart, you're, you're cut down your overhead. You know, you're not paying for a full, you know, space in a mall or a, you know, a full storefront. And yeah, especially as the, you know, if, if everything's DLC anyway, and you're just buying cards and, and activation codes, then yeah, you really, you know, you really don't need a lot for that. Yeah. Best Buy would at least have a, actually, there, I could totally see Best Buy mobiles just becoming Best Buy, period. Everything is digital. And those Best Buy mobile stores that you see in the mall are now just Best Buys. Oh, no, you still, you still well, need to go somewhere to actually look at the TVs before you buy them off Amazon. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I believe, I think Amazon is actually going to start opening stores, display stores. Yes. Because they're, they're opening up uh, warehouses in so many states, and now they have to pay the taxes in those states. Like, they're one of their biggest advantages is gone. So why not open up some stores so people exactly. can see the merchandise? Well, the other, the other thing I saw about that, though, is that one of the reasons they're opening the warehouses in all the states is because once they do that, then same-day shipping becomes infinitely more possible. Ooh. And so – that was just – I would cry if I was, like, the CEO of Best Buy when that happened. <laughs> like, I would just sit there. I would just sit in the middle of, like, the top floor of their office in, like, Minnesota – on the floor, just crying. Like, well, gee, that's why do you think he left last year? <laughs> well, whoever the acting CEO is, is <laughs> See, they're gonna have a bad time. It's yeah, it's yeah, be, they, yeah. they it, really, it, really are. So, so I, I hope off our reports that uh, you'll watch GameStop and Best Buy stock go down tomorrow once this is released. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I recommend them as buys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Mashcast stock advice. See, that's why you should listen to this podcast. We give so much good fucking advice. Yeah, you know, we aren't just a speculation cast for the future. We also speculate on futures. Exactly. So. We need to start giving dating advice too. Why don't you guys comment with your relationship problems? And I swear to God, I will give you a solution. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me Doctor Silk for nothing. <laughs> Oh, man. You really need to listen to MASHCAST if you don't get that. You do. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go into the backlog for that one. That's <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll see what comes of that. I highly doubt either one of them is going to employ though that, but they might. Or they might just be, you know, you never know. It, they might put it into the consoles and then not activate it until they're ready. Like a, yeah. dooms, like a doomsday switch. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what Sony's announcement in two weeks is. Is it's gonna be GameStop? We own you now. <laughs> you, yeah, you've activated my trap card. <laughs> that is it. All right. Uh, so our last topic here is actually something that kind of pissed me off. <laughs> like that's new, <laughs> but uh, it is a, a debate happened on Twitter about Tiny Tina, a, a character from Borderlands. And there were several people saying that Tiny Tina is racist. And for those, there's actually a video on Kotaku that we're going to link. Actually, no, I'm not going to link to Kotaku. I'll link to the video. But um, there's a video on YouTube, because that's where the video actually originates, of Tiny Tina and all her sayings and stuff like that. Now, for those who don't know Tiny Tina, T- Tina is a, she's a girl. She's a, she's a you know young girl. I would say probably somewhere between you know 12 and 16. Okay, she's young, uh, but she's very smart. She's an engineer, and she builds weapons. But when she talks, she talks with like a, like an urban slang, like a hip hop slang. Like she talks like a 
like uh, she says badonkadonks. That's actually one of the words that came up a lot in the in the debate. That you know she says things like badonkadonks and stuff like that. Things that you would expect to hear from like well apparently apparently black people. <laughs> you, you would expect <laughs> to hear them. this is what you know people are saying. You know she they they kept on saying oh it's black slang. She's talking in black slang and that's racist. Um, but uh, yeah, so she says that a lot. But in my opinion, Tina. And if you can't tell, I'm black. <laughs> but like, what? Tina? Yeah, yeah, Nick, what? sorry. And what? Nick just quit the match cast. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Tina, like, when I played through Borderlands, actually, I didn't play all the way through it. I wish I had a partner to play with. But, you know, those people keep flaking out on me. But anyway, so Tiny Tina, um, you know, when I was playing with her, she just reminds me of, like, a young girl, like, just you know, using cool slang and by the way, saying badonkadonks is not is not cool anymore. <laughs> okay. But uh you know, she used trying to use like slang and be cool and stuff like that. That's what it came off as and nothing else. Not her trying to be black. She wasn't trying to be black. She was trying to be in. She was trying to be hip. You know, that's the thing. Like and she pulls it off like really good. You have to watch this clip and like if anybody watches this clip and like Oh, that's racist. Like, no, it's not racist. Like, she's not trying to be black. She's just trying to be cool. So I guess that means being black is cool. <laughs> like, you know, if well, that makes any sense. It, it kind of is, though. I mean, that's always been the argument. Like, white people stole, uh, you know, rock and roll from black people. And, you know, all, all, you know, white people steal lingo from black people. It's, I think there's sort of, there is sort of a perception there that that's kind of how it works. And I think, I, I think maybe that's the problem is that, is because when this one when the allegations originally came out to uh, was it, what, Anthony Birch was the writer yeah he was the who writer. wrote her dialogue mm-hmm. and he's originally accused of, of the character being racist because of how she or not being racist but as far as I guess he's accused of being racist in his portrayal of her um he's like his his first response is like she's not racist like I don't know what you're talking about and I'm not changing the dialogue so you know it, it is what it is so you're stuck with it and he almost kind of you know it's a bit defensive and it almost comes off a little bit host you know like hostile in that regard but then once he gets into it he comes back and he says okay you know what he actually poses the question to Twitter which really blows everything up where he says okay you know what I didn't think the character was racist or I didn't think it was a racist portrayal when I wrote the dialogue you know, does anyone care to enlighten me and show me what I'm not seeing? And that's really when you start getting everybody coming out and saying, like, oh, my God, the character is incredibly racist. You know, you're a, ter- a person for writing her. And then you get the other people saying, I love this character. It's just, you know, it's, her dialogue is just like a quirk about her. And it's not it's not entirely the whole package. And it doesn't make her, you know, racist or you racist. So don't change anything. And it's one of those situations where, again, you get so many people coming at you that there's no fundamental answer to his question. So, but I think the problem here is it's one of those situations where, I mean, he's, what do you think? He's like, he's, he's like a, a white guy in his mid forties, maybe. Probably. Yeah. And so I think it's a situation where he's trying to write the role of a, you know, a, a, sort, a sort of hip young person. And so he's trying to impart the dialogue that he knows, which apparently for him is badonkadonk and crunk but, and words that words that were all words that were all cool like five years ago, if not more. And he does that on purpose because the game is like it's it's comedy. It's that's the thing. That's, that's part of the game. Yeah, but I, well, is but is her dialogue supposed to be out of date? Yes, or is, because it's funny. 
that's the thing. Like, well, I, well, I guess that's the question. Is it funny because her dialogue's out of date, or is it funny because she's a young white girl saying, you know, black, and I'm putting that in quotes, like, you know, black words? Well, yeah, it's that whole package. Like, one, she is like a 13 year old white girl that's using the slang. You know what I'm saying? And she uses it well, but the slang is outdated at the same time. You know, she's just being she's being a young girl. That's basically what it is. See, I wonder. See, I, I wonder. And again, I say this as a, a mid thirties, out of touch white guy. I wonder did he, did Birch know that her dialogue was out of date when he wrote it? Well, yeah, because he even mentions it in Twitter. He says he specifically says that it's supposed to be funny because it is out of date. Well, uh, he says uh, in response to. Oh, let's see, I actually have to go through a couple of tweets here. We'll, we'll, we'll go through with this. Um, have you ever met white people that who use that kind of language? Oh, sorry. Have you, have you never met white people who use that kind of language? Tina is based on several I know personally. That's what Birch said to uh, one of the people who were saying that, you know, Tina was racist. Uh, the reply was from somebody else, and this actual, this comment, itself is actually racist and i don't think the person who made the comment actually noticed knows that but to reason the response to that was i think i might have ha- <laughs> i think i might have some bad news about those people you know then that's a racist comment actually yeah. you know and i don't think the person even realized that but after that um somebody else responds it's an exaggerated uh, stereotypically low-class black lingo that Tina... Oh, sorry. It's exaggerated, stereotypical, low-class black lingo that with Tina amounts to verbal blackface. Okay? And then after that, he says, um, he says, precisely, the slang is not only outdated and exaggerated, it's all there is. So somebody actually brought that up that it's outdated. Okay. See, but but that's my point, though, is when somebody levels an accusation of verbal blackface... Like as, you know, as a well-meaning white person, like you know, like obviously I can recognize physical blackface, and I can say like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> but when somebody re- levels an accusation like that, I'm trying to, you know, I'm looking at that because I, I, I don't think he wanted to be construed as a racist in any regard. I don't want to be construed as a racist in any regard, and so it's one of those situations where you're trying to figure out like, okay, what is, is something there that I'm simply not seeing because I just simply don't have the perspective because there's a lot of times in in discussions about race where white people just completely miss the point. And, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, even then, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you look at a movie like Django Unchained where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, as much as everybody seems to be enjoying the movie, there's a lot of tension in there because of what happens. And then the crowd's response to that. Right. And so it's it's one of those situations where, you know, I, I think this is something that will never that can never fundamentally go away is that, you know, in, in this case where he's trying to write a character, for, you know, with certain qualities that he can never have a full perspective on. He, you know, he may believe that he's not being racist and he may or may not be. But other people – and then that's sort of the other weird thing about this is the people levying the criticism – also seem to be white so it uh, i don't know because I, I think you i don't know did you you i mean did you notice anyone of you know of non-whiteness who, who seemed to be attacking him for being a racist in there not really no i mean the thing is like these people it really feels like for, it, it feels like they had they don't they either don't know black people or have not really been exposed to urban culture 
in general because it's not just black people who say this stuff it's in my opinion and growing up around well i i, I was actually already a teenager by the time badonkadonks came around but you know like but you know the like living around living around that culture or, or living up with so-called black slang you know or, or black language that wasn't just black language that, that was just a product of where you lived and uh, yeah i would say the area i lived or grew up in was a majority it was like well it was definitely a majority uh, black but there were white people hispanic people asian people and we all spoke the same so it's like it, in my opinion it's urban language as yeah. opposed to black language but but i, th- I think that you're entirely right though i think there's oftentimes oftentimes color becomes a shorthand for sort of um i guess financial status and so it's very easy to misconstrue urban as black and especially for people who may not have been exposed to that environment it's 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 you know to them they they are the same thing and so you know it's 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 almost a reflection of, in, in some ways it's almost a reflection of everybody calling this racist it's almost a reflection back that they're racist and 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 at the very least overly sensitive and it's not i wouldn't say it's necessarily bad to be overly sensitive i think i think a dialogue this is good to have but it's just a little i don't know it it, it just it, it seems a little, a little bit much ado about nothing it does it, it really does because first of all the character is not racist i think they missed the point of the character they're focusing too much on the la- on the language itself. I'm not gonna call these people racist or say that they're racist, um, because to me, like the defin to, to define racism, like you actually have to think that you are superior or that one race is superior to another. Is racism for me? Um, but I, I would say that they're subject to their to their uh, to their stere- to, to stereotypes. You know, they they rely ha- they believe heavily in stereotypes at least. You know. Um, and I, they mean well, but, but they're actually they're not doing anybody any favors. No, you know what I'm saying. So I I, I really do not. Tiny Tina is one of my favorite characters from the series. I really don't want him to change her. My 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 problem with Tiny Tina isn't 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 well. I mean, it's the dialogue, but it's not the, the words in question. She felt very derivative of. Like uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Cowboy Bebop, but she felt like the Edward character. Like like they just kind of took that character, tried to change it a little bit, and in you know and and, and you know inject because even in, in in Cowboy Bebop, like the Ed, the Edward Edward used some dial you know like tried to act like you know a young kid using this you know this dialogue that was out of context for her. And I think it was the same kind of thing that they're trying to use this dialogue that's a little out of context for a thirteen year old white girl. And I think it 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 was. It was sort of I, I could see what they were going for, but it's like I like that word, so yeah, I, I can totally see that, like her being an Ed. I can totally see that. Yeah, but uh, hopefully nothing comes from that. To be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, because I don't want them to change a thing. I don't think they. I, I think it, I think the fallout's already been there. I, I don't, at least I don't see them going back and changing that. But I almost wonder if it's the kind of thing where they're like any plans for her in any future DLC. Maybe they're just gonna skip that just because they don't want to deal with any right. further fallout yeah alright so let's uh let's wrap things up here let's look at what's coming out um well this week Dead Space 3 came out and I am actually gonna wait on that I wanna wait for Joel's review and see what he <laughs> says because they, I'll I'll get it eventually but based on whether uh you know 
depending on how well it did, I might wait for it to go on sale. Actually, is Dead Space 3 even on Steam? I don't know. Is it? Because it... that's actually a lost sale if it's not on Steam. <laughs> if it's not on Steam, that's a lost sale. Oh, not on Steam. Lost Uh-oh. sale, EA. Bye bye. Um, I'll rent it on on GameFly G- for console. G- Gabe is just saving you from having to play with subpar textures. Yes, he is. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> Tear streams down one eye. Uh, Halo Four came out on the Xbox Live Marketplace, and Microsoft getting into the game, the digital distribution game. They already had the platform for it. Now they just they're just using it. Um, so I wonder when they're going to start doing day one digital distribution. Uh, let's see. Omerta City of Gangsters comes out next week. Alien Colonial Marines comes out next week. And after that, you got Metal Gear Rising and Crisis 3 February. Good month for gaming. Good month for gaming. So, oh, well, there's a Ninja Gaiden coming out for the Vita. I'll let you guys know how that goes. Because <laughs> that could definitely be hit or miss. More than likely, it's a miss. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, that's that's what's coming out. Uh, so yeah, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is uh, SoundCloud.com slash Mash Those Buttons. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes. We can subscribe to the Mashcast. You get it automatically when it when it, you know when it pops up. Uh, we're on Twitter.com slash MTB Site. We're on Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, and we're on YouTube.com slash Mash Those Buttons as well. And we're also on Stitcher Smart Radio for your iOS and Android devices. Uh, you can stream that if you wanted to. So, uh, But yeah, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you guys listening to the MASHcast. If you want to hear some funny shit next week, send me, tell, me, tell me you want to talk about your relationships. <laughs> I will not fail. <laughs> okay, leave, leave the deets on... Uh, or you can comment on the, uh, the MASHcast on the, on the site or on Facebook. And we're gonna make this happen. Mash those buttons, love connection. Or what was that? What was the what was the uh, show on MTV used to be called? Um, oh, it used to come on like out, midnight. Singled out. No, not singled out. The one that had the where they would talk about relationship problems. It used to be on like midnight. It was like an old show on MTV. They used to talk about relationships. It's like Doctor Something or something like that. I don't TRL? know. Huh? TRL? No, they don't talk about relationships on TRL. But Carson Daly was so dreamy. No, oh God, Nick, shut the. F- oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I look forward to the first letter being. I, I, my partner says these stupid things, and I can't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you guys love advice. Trust me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> but yeah, guys, as always, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. 